you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Down. Welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. As of every episode, we start off this one saying that the intent audience is everyone. And today we have a returning guest, pharmacist uh, Quinn Lee, on this podcast today. And we spoke with Quinn, I think, about three years ago. It's It's been a while. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's really great to have you back. Do you want to ask about some of the different things that you're doing now and, you know, just in general, all the different things that you've been able to do in the past and now moving to where you are today? Before we get into that, how have you been doing? All right, Tony, thank you for being back in your awesome podcast. I always uh, like to return and talk to the pharmacy audience and all of the IT audience. And of course, you guys have been great colleagues over the past three years or so. Do you believe it? It's actually been more than two and a half years. It's been three years since we spoke last. Yeah, I know. Time's like, I, it, it's gone so fast. Like, even though the last few years of COVID had felt slow while we were in it, just looking back now, it's, it's been pretty fast. Yep. Yes, it is. And the world has changed since we talked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, going into that, like, just before we talk about, you know, all the other things that kind of related to you nowadays, can you just give the listeners a, a very brief like overview in case they haven't heard of you before? Yeah, sure. So it's a story of me is actually a story of a curious person who just get to do a lot of different things. Uh, because I've got um, a network of very good people I work with who continue to nurture my curiosities and, you know, ask the five wife and just go down that path. So as you know, I got trained as a classic oncology pharmacist and in practice in the um, the park and the Cork uh, children oncology group and do a lot of research in my the beginning of my career. And then, you know, went on to... Uh, ICU pharmacies and eventually, you know, being the patient safety officers at quite a bit of hospital that when I started my career. After a while in working with a traditional um, hospital pharmacy, I actually moved into a, a quality role where I worked with physicians groups and standardize their order sets from different space, be that oncology, be that, you know, cardiac or surgeries, you know, and then make the career change to come over to manage the EMR um, and the transformations work of taking the hospital systems from separate um, best of breed application to the like of the modern EMR, such as Asana and Epix, you know, after that, I manage the teams that take care of the EMR and then expand it out to take care of all of the medical devices that surround the EMR. Population health, you know, get really involved with the meaningful use and uh, medical IoT. Um, then after a while working at the hospital, I actually uh, left the hospital and go to work for PD back to Dickinson's where I helped build the form for normalizations and analytics for uh, medications across the continuum. So that would just be in the outpatient space, in the inpatient space, for both dispensings, what you call pixels and um, infusions, which is hilarious, uh, and work on that platform. Um, and um, my latest endeavors, actually, I've gone away from the therapeutic 
last treatment area and upstream a little bit onto diagnosis. My current role is that I'm the global head of service for um, Philips Informatics. Um, it's called the um, Enterprise Operational Informatics, where we actually help physicians, radiologists, and departments to, you know, get a better handle to on the way that they operate uh, based on the data that they got from the images, the HL7, and just um, help the business to make decisions with data, identify issues, identify new opportunities, and so that enable everybody to do more with their current staffing ratio or even with less staffing ratio. Yeah, and that, that's a lot of stuff that you just mentioned. So we probably don't have time to go into the detail of the previous roles, but for anyone who's interested to learn more about Quinn's previous roles, we did talk about it in a previous episode. It was episode 235, and uh, you can check that out on the podcast. But, you know, for today, we're going to be focusing on, you know, everything you've done since then. COVID has changed a lot of how we operate, how we work, and you know, lots, uh, a lot more of like working remotely. And I wanted to ask, like, you know, since then, right, since COVID started and all these uh, organizations and everyone had to adapt, like, how did that affect you and the way that you work? Yeah, so it's a COVID is a, I think it's a big reset for, for me, uh, you know, and for quite a bit of people, yourself included, uh, we just chatted a little earlier about how your family's life has changed too. There was a, a cartoon that I was using with my team the other day to uh, to talk about innovations in, in healthcare, right? So the cartoon was, I wish I could show you a picture of it. The cartoon was who is actually leading your company innovation for the past three years. And there was three persons, the CEO, the COO, or COVID. And the, the right answer is COVID. You know, it's kind of a joke, but it's really, that was really true, right? Because with COVID, um, we can't, as a company, you know, traveling is not possible anymore, right? The hospital will put on restriction, not accepting um, visitors anymore. So that completely changed the way MedTech worked, right? Instead of going there, talking to the people, going to the Yemba, you basically have to do everything remote, right? And uh, the folks at the hospital are so busy and overworked that our conversations had need to change. It has to pivot to instead of talking about the product and the service, is actually talking about what problem that we're trying to solve. How could we help, right? How could we get people to, you know, use technology to get people to do more things with less times, more things with less uh, availability from staff or what have you that's going on out there. So it's it's quite an interesting thing for us. So for, for my team and particularly when I first came here, we got to take a look at our customer journey, right? Think about what we're currently doing and do BSM, which is a value stream mapping and start cutting out things that we couldn't do anymore talked about what other ways that we could still talk to our customer to help them out, but yet to quote unquote bother them less, you know? So we take on the work on ourselves and just give back to the customers what is really outcome driven, what recommendations would work for them with the least possible involvement from their part. So um, that I could say that it changed the way that we're thinking 
and it's challenged us to work better with fewer resources and to basically be very, very respectful of our customers' times while, you know, giving them the same outcome or even better. Yeah, and that that definitely is a big change. And, you know, like, uh, not only that was a big change, but you also had different roles. So uh, there are two things I do want to ask you about. So first thing is the start of your, I think it's a consulting company. Is that right? Well, yep. Yeah. So um, at that point, when you started that consulting company, I guess uh, two things to it. Like first, it was kind of around COVID. So like towards the, the beginning of COVID. And I guess my first question is, knowing that, did it affect like how you wanted to start the company? Yeah. So, so about COVID, right? Just like myself I, and everybody else, right? So the, when the world shut down and needed, I find that I needed to stay home and be more available to kids. So one thing. And the other, but the need of, um, folks who understand IT, who understand pharmacy and data management and data analytics, uh, is exploded, right? Because everybody wants to know how they are doing, how they need to continue to do their work with a change environment. So that was the motivations uh, for me to um, start that consultant. So what I did was, you know, I had to learn a lot, Tony, to, to go through and do an LLC, talking to lots and lots of my friends and see how that would work, you know, what I could do to help them you know, what kind of work I could take while allowing myself to stay home with the kid. And it turned out to be a really good learning experience, right? I helped a few places where they want to, you know, connect between different EMR, right? And see how different EMR work, what kind, in what kind of aspect are they alike? In what kind of aspect are they different? Um, How's the data look in terms of each EMR, you know, and put together what would be a SWOT analysis or if the company want to look at a certain outcomes, um, you know, what other steps, what kind of a project plans that the team need to invest in to be able to cover that gap. So to me, that was sort of like a fun thing to do, you know, to draw from my experience of the past. So, so that, that was good. What I had realized after a few months of doing that is um, that I continue to look for the multi-vendors uh, complex problems that involve lots and lots of departments. And, you know, that kind of problems are just calling out to me a lot more than one customer at a time, you know, it's maybe a personality trait, I guess. So, you know, I wrapped that up and, you know, when I got a post with uh, Philip to be there, the global head of service for essentially a data analytics and data management. So, you know, the time that it takes to, to start onboarding with a new job is so great. And it's also part of my personalities that, you know, when I first start something, I need to take a lot of time to understand the business, understand the business model and understand the customer from that perspective, as well as using the time to build relationship with a new company, new colleagues. So, you know, most of my time for the past two years has been, you know, with the new company and I only do pro bono. I work with the consultant type. I see. I see. So, you know, like on the consultant side, right? Like 
since you started, and you know that that's a very big challenge to have, like you know, managing both sides. But you know, when you started on the consulting side, did you? I guess it's hard to compare to, but did you think you saw more COVID-related projects than non-COVID-related projects, like things that wouldn't have been requested if COVID didn't happen? Like, I guess how many, like percentage-wise, like how many of the projects that you were working on were like at some kind of direct result or indirect result of COVID having happened? So it's sort of like have happened and have. Um, to me, you know, in the beginning when I first started, there was a lot of need based on, okay, so here's our formularies, right? We used to have all of this work. So now which one do we need to stock up, right? And it's kind of this COVID-related then it's kind of not. As we know in pharmacy, inventory and management has always been front and centers, right? So the whole things about, you know, now with COVID and COVID treatment, what kind of medication do I need to stock up? Is it the ventolin? You know, is it breathings? Um, you know, is it medications that would assist with that type of diagnosis? It's, it's kind of like adjunct therapy, you know? And we always have this problem with shortage, right? So, you know, what could we do in looking at our formulary, looking at our, um, you know, available uh, inventory that we have out there? What kind of things should we still keep on the floor? What kind of things should we just, you know, collect and bring back to the pharmacy so that we could ration it correctly as you know, as we move on with the pandemic, that was a lot during the first year, I would say. You know, the rest of it was, so that's a, that is something that is tactical we needed to do, right? So the half of the work is on about knowing that we would always have this kind of problem with supply chains because, you know, the colleagues that I work with, they're so smart, they already know that supply chain problem are going to be seen on around, right? So if we do this in particular for a group of medications that um, support and around the COVID, right? So later on, how do we use the same model to um, extrapolate it out when we have something else, when we have another disruption of inventories, or could we use the model that we develop to you know, manage better a different group of supplies, a different group of medications um, as the needs uh, arise. So thanks for sharing that. And, you know, like the consulting side is such a, it's, it's so interesting for me every time I hear about consulting because you get to, you know, you get to solve a lot of different issues, like just a variety of different issues. But at the same time, it's kind of like you get to figure out which one is kind of like, best matching your skill set. And, um, you know, your skill set, I, I've, I mean, I've spoken with you before, you've done so much. And, um, and your new role, the, the title sounds like, like you said, it's a little bit higher up. The new role over at Philips is Enterprise Operations Informatics. And I'm curious about like, I guess, first thing is like, what does that role currently entail for you? And then second thing is like, how have you drawn on your experiences to kind of like help you provide value and succeed in your role? Yeah, that's a great question. So take some time to reflect here. You know, I, I really do love the role that I'm in. And, oh. you know, just to share something personal with you and the audience here, right? I have my different why of why I move from the treatment space, which is a space that, you know, as pharmacists, we are mostly in, right? 
a diagnosis is made, right? And then we have a treatment course and we do a lot within the treatment course. So with COVID, um, also, um, you know, around that time that we find out my dad was diagnosed with colorectal cancer, stage four, right? And being an oncology pharmacist um, and knowing a lot about this space, right? Of course, I took care of his prognosis and, and things like that, working with the multidisciplinary team to take care of him through, you know, the last bit of, of life, making sure that he has the best quality of life possible. But when I look at it, right, I, I go to everything that I've worked on has been in the treatment area. So, you know, I kept thinking about if we could have used data, if we could have, you know, pull all of the information that we have and sort of push it upstream a little bit into the arena of diagnosis, um, how would that have changed the prognosis? How many more people could we have helped, right? How do we use technology to aid, to aid the clinician to see that, you know, they would um, transfer their knowledge better to spread innovations better so that we get our clinician to, to work at the best or the top of their licenses, right? To, to make some more super physicians, super nurses, super pharmacists, right? And that was the motivation for me to move from the space of treatment to the space of precision diagnosis. Okay. So, you know, at Philips, my role is a service and we do work with uh, about 17 different markets. So it's pretty awesome to get to work with North America, to work with folks in uh, Latin, which is, uh, you know, South America, Canada, the Euro and across Asia and New Zealand. So it's, uh, you know, that part is really exciting for me, you know, to collaborate with folks on around the world. So in this new space, what we do is what, um, you know, it's basically data analytics, right? So we looked at the way that people work, you know? So for example, I will give you an example. Since all of the elective procedure were stopped, right? And could have been done in the past two years where everybody was home, right? So now that we're opening again, so you know how many mammography that hasn't been done in the past two years for a certain hospital, yeah. right? And it's created a big backlog, but we don't have any more staff. So it's become a very interesting problem. You have only this backlog, but you only have that many hours. So what could you do? What could you come up with to basically, you know, get more people in and, and you know, take care of this backlog of folks that haven't get their tests done? And still, you know, operating with the same amount of people that you do. So what did you do? You got to try and see what's your cancellation rate is, right? You know, how you could effectively share the workload in between your machine and your modalities so that everybody's is as productive. Can you look at their utilizations? Can you look at different people performing um, different tests and see, you know, who is the best of doing what and kind of share that knowledge on the rail so that you can do a lot more with less. On one side, it's benefit the operations at, you know, the center or the hospital. 
on the other side, it's really trying to get people back or catch up to the normal pre preventative diagnosis or preventative treatments that we need and, you know, catch those um, unfortunate things a little early because everybody's now delayed about years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very sorry to hear about your father, but, you know, thank you for sharing that personal story. You know, we all have these personal stories of our why, and I'm I'm glad to hear, you know, that you are in a new space now that you can make, you know, what you've already stated, like this kind of major significant impact upstream uh, in the in the kind of medical care process. And, you know, it's, it's really cool. You know, when I was in school, like we always like talk about treatments, but there was also a big emphasis saying like, you got to do the prevention before you get to the treatment. So mm -hmm. then, you know, healthcare cost goes down, patient care becomes better and things like that. And so it's, it's really good to hear that now you're, you're, in that space. And I know you mentioned a little bit about like um, catching those things early on. I, I guess like my my question is like, do you have uh, a specific example of, you know, what you've used um, your knowledge from the past and in informatics roles in your current role uh, that, that you can share with the audience? Yeah. So, and, and thank you, um, Tony. So, you know, to be in a role where you, you know, oversee service for analytics is, is quite different, right? And I actually uh, was thankful with all of the experience that I could draw from the past, such as, you know, Six Sigma, all of those facilitations, all of the lean skills, right? Being a pharmacist and work in the hospital, you know, understandings, how device and device management work within the hospital, all of those things have contributed to what I drawn from, right? So this phase, analytics and service in analytics is, is new, right? All, most of the work that we've done before was really for a product, right? And, or for machines, not, and this hasn't been, I don't think, it doesn't emerge in market, right? Um, because we have in we have data first, right? Then we organize data to make information, right? And now when you have information, then suddenly you have insight, right? And then you have, okay, so here's the problem. Now here's the insight that may explain the problem. All right, great. So what? Now that you can explain the problem away, you want to improve, right? You want to help positive outcome. You want to fix the problem. So therefore, you know, the next steps is I think insight at the surface. For those of us who's been in this space for a while, we need to draw, like I draw on my own experiences. Okay. So let's just say, let's take the space of uh, device management, for example. So we have these machines that are on the floor, right? How often do they get used? Right. Do they get used 100% of the times? You know, is there certain machine that get used more often? How do we know what problem lead to certain machine not get used? Right. So, so basically that, that's where our teams comes in and say, okay, so for this group of devices, the reason that may, they may not have been used is because maybe they don't hold a charge and they're making this up to make it not so foreign, right? Or they may not have the right uh, version of software on them, right? It's a variety, right? So you got to dig into those data and to understand the problem. Then what we do next is inside of our service, we'll put together recommendations for this group 
you might want to do this. But this other group, here's your actions plan, right? And we don't just do that. We basically perform a DMIAC, right? We define what the problems, we measure the problems, and then we do interventions, and then we put a plan together to follow up. So, you know, and it's, it's actually draw from experience from a data management perspective, normalizing the data. It's draw from hospital experience of, you know, how to, to size up how big of a problem that it is. Because you, you do have a lot of things that you need to take care of on a daily basis in your operation. The trick is to know which is the priority item that you need to solve first. Next is that you need to work with people, right? If you want to go far, you need to go with a group of people. You don't just go by yourself. And last one is that you need to sustain good things that you that you have done so that we don't go back and lapse into behavior that we don't desire. So, you know, I, I give you that one example to see that this is how I personally draw on uh, experience that I've had in the past and in leading the team in building out this whole customer journey that we would take care of. It's just like we are outside of the hospital, but we work together with folks that are in there just as tightly and, um, and become pretty much their partner and not just the relationship of the vendor and the oh, Thanks for sharing that. I, and then, you know, you said a few things. Uh, you said, a customer journey, which kind of goes into business, which I'm just going to mention to the listeners that Quinn also has an MBA. So if you want to listen more about like how that that is an important degree, you can go back to episode 235. We did talk about, about that a little bit. I wanted to ask you uh, if you have any advice for uh, those who are interested in getting into the informatics side that's a little bit higher up where you are, like the enterprise, the operation informatics, like not very specific to pharmacy informatics, but if someone was interested in being a a little bit upstream and a, a more of a, I would say, I, I believe would say uh, it's a more major impact of it. So I would say that, you know, be curious and learn from the people that are around you, right? There's quite a bit of problem to solve and you need to go where your passion drives you. You know, I share with you all my personal why, right? I think that's probably the best advice that I could give to you. Um, you got to be passionate about a certain area, certain problem that you want to solve, you know, and then start learning, start talking to people who might be in that space, you know, offer what you can do, offer, you know, your thoughts and experience into the larger problems and connect with people and just to ask questions and to listen, then proceed to, you know, show them what you can do, put a proposal together, start a group. So Tony, I want to just pay some compliment to you and Beju and Brian, right, for starting the, the informatics work group who make the invisible visibles, right? We do have a lot of folks who are uh, interested in how do I get into informatics and not having a very concrete place to start, right? So, you know, your group make that possible. So as long as folks would continue to make connections and you know, want to reach to improving a, a patient's life and improving the health of the community, you know, branch into spaces that are interesting to you. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that advice. And thanks for the kind words as well. You know, for people who wanted to reach out specifically to you, if they had any more questions, like what's the best way that they can reach out to you? 
So I am on LinkedIn and I think you have the link to my profile. I'm happy to connect, you know, with folks, especially, you know, anyone who, who want to talk more about, you know, a day alive in data and medical data management. I love to, to, to get to talk with you. You know, quite a few people who work with me right now was just engaging with me through that whole things. You know, I have students of mine who become fellows of mine who just made or just made it to be you know a professor of informatics that's how where we make connections and and i love to mentor you know um, curious and young people to uh, throughout their career awesome thanks so much i'll be putting that information the linkedin uh, link so that people can reach out to you but you know to be respectful of your time like thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and it's great catching up with you again so thank you so much for sharing again like what you've been doing ever since thanks tony have a good weekend all right if you like our show please share with your friends or you can help us out by writing a review on apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services you can also check us out on social media on facebook twitter instagram or linkedin and you can also reach out to me at tony at pharmacyitme.com if you want to network you can check out the pharmacist slack group at pharmacistconnect.com which is p-h-a-r-m-a-c-i-s-t-s-c-o-n-n-e-c-t.com there's different topic channels including informatics and i've met some great colleagues on there and i look forward to connecting with you as well thank you again for listening and i'll see you on the next episode of pharmacy it and me and remember technology is a tool patient care is the goal